Alphabet Flight Encyclopedic Marvel Journey, where I go through the official Hiding Book of the Marvel Universe with the guest, and we talk about all the characters we know and love and have forgotten as well. My name is Jesse Cooper, and with me today is the wonderful Sean. Hey, I am wonderful. <laughs> Thanks for <laughs> noticing. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, so, are you ready to not get what you want because you want to touch up on this dude? Uh, well, yeah, that's my life story. So, yeah, yeah, I guess I'm ready. Yeah, you want <laughs> you want to touch? You really want to touch up on this dude? And uh, and you are definitely not afraid. Uh, or turned off by the t- by his name, which is almost anus. <laughs> uh, we're talking about Unis. Do you pronounce it Unis? I've always said Unis, and I think it's I think it's because I wanted it to sound less like anus. But I, I'm, I'm probably wrong on that. It's Unis or Unis, Unis? or I don't know. It's like any, anything uh, but anus. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <clears throat> or Unis. <laughs> no, I'm, no, it's Unis. Okay, Unis is good. On. I'll go with it's, it. Uh, un us, which is the uh, y- them, I guess. <laughs> un us, that is them. <laughs> that works. Yeah, un us is them. Yes, so them. Uh, so what do you know about un us or Eunice or Unis? Well, I know. So, so the first, I have a couple really distinct memories of him. Uh, I don't remember him from the Silver Age at all because that was way before my time. Though I remember seeing you know funny images of him, but I vividly remember a later kind of Bronze Age thing. It may have been an issue of um, of Marvel Fanfare where yeah. his force field is out of control and like no one can get to him and he and Blob are really, really good friends and Blob like, I, I, I'm, I'm totally blanking on who it is. It, it may have been a, a, a Marvel Fanfare issue but Blob like almost sacrifices his life to like get to him to help get his force field down in order to get him to eat and save his life. And I just remember being really moved by that issue and really moved by their relationship and their friendship. So I have like a really great memory of him. But other than that, I mean, I just, you know, I can't take anybody seriously in a, in a red unitard who calls himself Unis. <laughs> What's he look like? He's a big dude. He's a big rock jawed, like, uh, you know, uh, 40s movie star looking handsome kind of dude. With a red unitard and well, well, I wouldn't say unitard. It looks more like a, a complete like bodysuit. You think so? I've always- yeah. I think he just puts the underwear on with the weird menorah. <laughs> he really does. Over. He does have an underwear with a, a yellow menorah on it. That is amazing. I guess. I guess there's Pretty a. Decent I guess there are eight gifts in that. Uh, in that you. <laughs> in that speedo i don't know what i i don't know what the the eight gifts will be but (laughs) i don't know well it's over eight days so i mean lots can Uh, happen yeah uh well okay okay um a jewish version of god which is uh please don't hurt me (laughs) i'm I'm jewish Um, so i can say it (laughs) okay you're good you're covered okay good 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 um so uh so his real name is gunther bain that's a badass name Legally changed from his original name, Angelo Unisconi. Yeah, not a badass name. <laughs> no. Although, I like Unisconi, though. Unisconi is, like, decent, you know? It does sound kind of like you're making fun of Italians, though. Well, I mean, it's, it's you, there's got to be a story element there, because it translates to only son. 
Well, well, the reason, well, I, I was going to make a joke out of it, but whatever. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but it does sound like, but the only way, the only way I feel like saying it is like, you the score. Well, your hands very, have to move. I mean, that's, that's definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I could only, I like, I hope you've heard my hand movements, but like, you know, stereotypical, uh, Italian making fun of things. Yeah. There's no way to say that name without moving your hands. But I do think there's got to be something in there because it really does translate to only son. And I don't, I don't know enough of his silver age, um, origin to know if that played in at all but um what's was he turned into a baby with the, with the other with ones magneto with magneto yeah because the whole group of uh, evil yeah you're got right turned into did. a baby did he turn into a baby um you know i don't know he i don't remember i i know it happened fairly early it was in the silk like towards the end of the silver age right? oh yeah yeah when when because i remember magneto getting trans uh completely transformed into a baby which is why he can still be relevant today even though he was you know which is which is also was you specific as a specific legal talking point in oh yeah issue 300 yeah. Which something that no one would have brought back, but Chris, Chris Claremont. Oh no, X, yeah, X Men two hundred when when he's on trial. Two hundred, two hundred. Yeah, when he's on trial, yeah. they're like he was a baby. <laughs> so he turned into a baby, then was turned into an adult. So is he really Magneto? The same Magneto? Uh, and uh, the answer is yes. But um, no, you're totally right. He was part of the Brotherhood that was reduced to infancy. So he was yes! he was baby Eunice. That was a good call. That was a good callback. Okay, man, I'm so glad whatever I could pick out weirdly obscure bits of Marvel history that are <laughs> bonkers. Okay, so, yeah, uh, Unis. Or Eun- I cannot you know say, what? like, you I- You say Eun- Unis, I'll say Eunice, and we'll just meet in the middle. <laughs> we, we, yeah. As long as one of us doesn't slip up and call him Anus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or Honest. <laughs> uh, so he's a naturalized citizen. Of the United States. Um, former alias or other aliases was Eunice the Untouchable. Uh, he was born in Milan, Italy. Um, male status is unknown. So, you know, if you want to get one of those gifts. Uh, <laughs> over- <laughs> just, pick, just pick one, man. One of eight. <laughs> yeah. Former member of Factor 3. Who was that? Was a uh, Banshee thing, right? Yeah, yeah. It was Ogre, Banshee, and Blob originally, but Banshee was undercover for Interpol. A former member of the original Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, um, and he first appeared in first appeared in the X Men. Uh, issue number eight in November nineteen sixty four. Eunice the Untouchable. And it has, like, one of the early X-Men things that, like, I kind of burnt into my head. But it's a really good cover. I like it. It's just, like, uh, Unis is uh, just kind of standing there in, like, the O five 5 are uh, being repelled from him, like, trying to towards the, the page. I mean, not the page, but the uh, viewer. And it also has my favorite uh, X-Men um, cover. X-Men. What's, what's that called? Like, the title? Like the stylized title, does that have an, a, a like a name? Just the official name, the like just the logo or the 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 yeah the I I don't know that there's a name for it, but yeah the stylized title with like the it yeah, the, looks like broken wood in the it's forming the X yeah it's really nice it's really nice and it has like uh it has like angel kind of like carrying it basically yeah. and it has like a little like curse of oh, the that's really it's nice a, I, like if 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 
Xavier wasn't perving on Gene uh, so hard in early early X Men, I would defend it more. I like to think that never happened in my head canon. Oh no, it happened. <laughs> they 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 brought it I back. I know an onslaught. I know it's a specific it's a specific plot point. If it never came back, you could be like, oh, I could just like you know whatever that was the past. No, it came back. I know you cannot. You can't. It's there always. I do look that. You're right though that the cover of X Men Eight is fantastic. I mean, it's the the it's such good dynamism by Kirby, and in particular, I love because you get some character revealed. In, in the way each of them is flying away. I mean, Gene is kind of demure. Beast is kind of, you know, open, splayed and all over the place. You know, you can tell what his powers are kind of quickly. Angel, same thing. It looks like he's trying to fly against it. And then Scott looks like somebody just pinched his butt at a school dance. And he's like, oh, no. And he's like, you know, turning away all, all uh, prim and proper. So I think it's a great, it's a great cover. It's actually, you know, new, and, and Eunice looks really commanding. I mean, he definitely looks like he's saying to them, you know, Come love my Hanukkah pants. Like, you know, <laughs> here you go. So another thing. It's clobbering time. Though, and I brought this up before. Why is a thing with like the most detailed beast's feet again? Oh. On the cover? Yeah, I mean, Kirby loves feet and hands, right? I mean. Apparently. Apparently. Like, he, like there's so much love and attention. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, the rest of it's very cartoony. Like the like very early Kirby and oh, stuff, yeah. like it's very well defined and stylized. But for whatever reason, early X Men, he always drew the feet like so carefully. I, I think it's an artist thing. I mean, I, I know people I know who draw. You know, it's always what the, they always say: the hardest things to draw are hands, feet, horses, and cars. Those are like the hardest things to draw that you know realistically. So I actually think this is just Kirby being like a, a professional and saying like, okay, well, this is the hardest thing to draw, so I'm going to pay, pay the most attention to it to do it well. And then, you know, there you go. Do you think... I just... I don't know, because, like, on the blob, on when the blob first showed up... He draws the fat rolls. Not, <laughs> he, no, he draws... Well, no, not no, not that one. It's the... Uh, I think issue two or three? Uh-huh. Three. I think it's say? three, yeah. Like, also, the, the thing that had the most detail was the blob's feet and the beast's feet. I, maybe I'm just reading into it too much because I'm thinking about C- uh, Chris Claremont later in X Men, obviously putting his stuff out in the air, open <laughs> oh, air. Oh no, are you are you outing Kirby as having a foot fetish? <laughs> no, I'm going back. I'm going back, and it just look. He put so much care and detail in all the early X Men, just drawing the feet. I, I really, I mean, I, I I wasn't being facetious. I really do think it's a this is the hardest thing to do, so I'm going to do it slowly and well, so it looks better drawn than everything else. I mean, I. I I do think it's probably that. I mean, I mean, you know, honestly, and I'm not making fun of him because I, I actually really respect his contribution to the medium. But if you think about like Rob Liefeld, like that's something he never mastered, right? Like he always gets kind of hammered for not doing feet, you know, or hands particularly well. And I think it's just an art thing. I think it's really hard, uh, really, really hard to draw them. Well, yeah, maybe it's just like I'm just I'm just thinking of X Men and what I think about with X Men is just how much Chris Claremont was just like I'm into BDSM, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> like all over the place. I mean, the the to, to kind of extrapolate what you're doing here, the Saturday Night Live skit of Jack Kirby's family would be all of them in giant hands and feet, like like prosthetic hands and feet walking around, <laughs> yes. like not even realizing that it's not normal, just being like, oh, the giant hand and feet family, and and then that's kind of. <laughs> what leads to his art that would be awesome i mean that would be pretty cool <laughs> yeah i don't know i uh, uh. and also also i'm gonna say this like 
as much as 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 much as uh, Rob Liefeld does get dinged for his changing of the comic book industry, him and Jim Lee basically changed the way comics looked for an entire decade alone. Oh yeah, I, within the first couple of years, I wasn't bagging on 90s. him. I I no. I don't have like he's not my favorite artist, and you know that's fine. I have respect. Yeah, I have a lot of respect. But I love for him. one of the things I love about him that you can never take away is dude has crazy energy and love for comics. Like like if you go back and read his early '90s stuff, I, I was collecting it at the time. He blew my brain away on New Mutants. Like I. I fell in love with that title again when he joined. So yeah, I'm I'm totally not being disrespectful. I'm just acknowledging that he is an artist. Actually, so is um, what's his name, Larson from Savage Dragon. Savage Dragon. He's an artist who struggles drawing hands and feet. Just and again, I think it's because it's the hardest thing to draw. But but yeah, it's it's look, it's an awesome cover and it's a promising cover for what should be a great character. But uh, mm, yeah. well, let's uh, let's talk about him. Um, because we got off on another tangent, which is, again, we need to stop going on. Uh, so, uh, Unisconi was a super, superhuman mutant. When did they stop put, uh, saying superhuman mutant in these? Stop saying. Because, like, by this time, no, like, they label, like, all the mutants are labeled superhuman mutants. Oh. You think by this time... Like in the late '80s, they would have just had the shorthand mutant, mutant. Yeah. and if they had to be like a Lantian mutant or something, they would just put the put it there. I mean, I guess the distinction is not in their minds. Not all mutants are superhuman. I mean, you know, if I think of like Psylocke or Cipher, you know, Doug Ramsey, that kind of thing. But but no, yeah, it is that is interesting that they're they're being that specific. Yeah, it's just, it's one of those like it's a minor thing. It's just like you think you would have the shorthand by now. Yeah. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't call uh, the guy who just had blue skin a superhuman, but he's still a mutant, and that makes him different from a majority of humans. Yeah, that's true. Uh, his powers didn't surface until adolescence. He first used them as a school bully and later small-time criminal. Oh, I read ahead and thought that was like he used them against a school bully. No, he was. No, no, bully. he's a jerk. He's a straight-up <laughs> jerk, dude. No. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Uh, after immig- after some at some point after immigrating to America, Unisconi. Uh, uh, once we can't make fun of Italians and Irish people, PC culture's gone too far. <laughs> <laughs> Man, uh, uh, <laughs> no, I say that as facetiously uh, as possible. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, at some point, Unisconi legally changed his name to. Gunther Bane, and he uses his ability to create a virtually impenetrable force field around himself to launch a career as a flamboyant, invincible costume wrestler known by the stage name of Eunice the Untouchable. Uh, he was sought out by Magneto through his ally mastermind as a potential addition to the original evil, evil Brotherhood of Mutant thing. The Brotherhood... I... Well, they're evil, <laughs> and they're a brotherhood. No, it's just like it's a mouthful, and like you could just say the, the brotherhood. brotherhood. Yeah, it's way cooler. You don't have to like, like why did this? Why did the uh, Silver Age have to be so on the nose with so many things? Yeah, you could have just said the Brotherhood. We would have known that they were evil <laughs> very quickly. As a test, Mastermind suggested Eunice try to find the X Men. And to defeat one of them. Just one. Not all of them. One. Which I feel is a good entry point. 
Well, I think that's fair. And I think he would be a natural antagonist for Marble Girl, given their powers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And she wasn't nearly as powerful at this no. time, because she was just the yeah. girl. Uh, that uh, Xavier was crushing. Oh, really no, we don't talk about it. <laughs> the 50-year-old girl. We don't girl. talk about it. That this really old man oh. who has the power to mind control people in a, in a small private school over. where he's the only adult. Oh no, no. See, no, no. I'm not. I, I, I am not going to watch the Netflix special on <laughs> Professor Xavier's school for gifted, you know, perverts. I'm not doing it. <laughs> it never happened. Mm, Eunice or Unus, uh, one of the uh, X Men beast, uh, def- battled him. And using his scientific skill, created a device that magnified the power of his uh, force field so much that he could not control it. Unable to stop projecting his force field, Eunice. Sorry, I need to uh, alternate. Unus <laughs> found it impossible to hold food or eat. Eunice gave uh, gave himself to the X Men, and Beast returned his powers to his previous level. Uh, Unus. Uh, humbled returned back to his wrestling career that is a very wrestling costume oh yeah no and that, it's funny because this is such a generational thing i mean this is so these like traveling wrestling shows are kind of lost to time i mean you know it's 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 funny how many villains and heroes have that as kind of part of their origin but it is totally a wrestling costume but can we talk for a minute about hank mccoy's super messed up solution to defeating eunice like oh hey i'm gonna, I'm gonna turn your powers to 11 so that you starve to death in your own force field, or you can give up. I mean, it's kind of the first inkling of Hank McCoy, future science psychopath. I just want to point out one thing. He was being taught by Xavier. Yeah. Who probably, like, faked his death the morning of, <laughs> so someone would, so sub would, would, like, maybe open his door for him. Uh, that's awesome. He's not being taught by a great person. Oh my god, he Charles Xavier faked his death more than Fred Sanford. Man, it's like he just died like every other issue in the in the Silver Age X Men. It's ridiculous. P- Professor X faked his death because he didn't want to go to the movies. <laughs> oh, the someone. That's awesome. Professor X literally faked his death so he could just have a trip with his bird alien oh, girlfriend. Yeah. yeah, he's got you got plans this weekend. Fake your death. It, you got play. It's just like, hey, I just uh, tricked all my people who trust me implicitly. Uh, I just faked my death again, so let's uh, hop on this uh, star jammer here and uh, go away. <laughs> so, so they <laughs> defeat Eunice, and uh, he becomes a, a recurring villain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he formed a friendship with the Blob, and uh, the two enlisted in two organizations of mutants bent on world conquest uh the brotherhood of evil mutants and the factor three that's such a cool name it is and i don't understand it even after reading the description of them yeah it's just a cool name it doesn't make any sense it no it doesn't make any sense and it's just like it's for some point like they were world superpower i'm just like huh Huh? Yeah, no, they're just, yeah, it, they, they had some grandiose ideas, but at the end of the day, they were Eunice, the Blob, and the Ogre. <laughs> Not much was going to happen there. No. Uh, since then, uh, wearied and shaken by failures of both groups, well, you know, yep. 
not everyone could have the fortitude of the shocker. <laughs> who is who has a lot of who has the world's best self confidence? Apparently, he is the human so, hanging in there, baby cat poster. Like he is just he plugging is, away. And again, every single time, clap for him because he is. He goes for yep. it. Maybe he picks himself up. Yep. You now everyone, everyone's talking about like how brave it certain people are. Like he gets. Like, he gets beaten by two globs of webbing, like, almost every other time. And, like, he's still just like, I got this. There's a big heart inside that quilt, man. <laughs> there is. And, like, you know, and, and like, like, an old man ripped his clothes off of him. Yeah. And he still has a lot of confidence. <laughs> like, I mean, clap clap for for Shocker. Okay, sorry. I for like sh- after like going through Shocker's like entry, it made me love him even more. Well, we just have to be kind of careful to refer to Shocker and somebody whose name sounds like Anus quite so frequently together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we are going to be talking about the other Shocker that was on uh, the Brotherhood of Evil Names oh. at some point in the future because he got got. He's dead. <laughs> he did. Um. Yeah, he dead super bad. So we'll talk about him in the Book of the Dead. Um. So we're getting to factor three because so, he's going to be a baby. Yeah, yeah. He's so uh, worried by the failures of both groups. He invented his dream of aiding in world conquest. Not word conquest. Just aiding. Just aiding. He just wanted to be a help. He's, yeah. he's the candy striper of supervillains. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he sought to amass a fortune for himself through crime. Um. Then his power, for some reason unknown, increased to such a high level he could no longer shut it off and could barely control it. Maybe it had something to do with Beast doing that, uh, too. Yeah, you think? And actually, maybe that's the, what I was referring to at the start of the episode is uh, Marvel Fanfare Issue 7, where his power's out of control and Blob and the Hulk, I couldn't remember who it was, Blob and the Hulk have to like basically pierce the force field to save him. And it's a really powerful and emotional issue. And, like, one of the rare issues that shows, like, male friendship in a really authentic way. And I love that story, so I'll always love this character for that. But I didn't know the Beast part, so I'm like, oh, yeah, good job, Hank McCoy. Like, you fully set him up to die later. Well, um, there's another really great picture. Just, like, Hulk, just, like, acid feet first, just bouncing off the <laughs> shield. So, um, if you want another uh, look of male friendship portrayed in a very w- a good way about like the intimacy of male friendship mm-hmm. um uh the power man and uh the power man and iron fist that came out uh 2017 i want to say oh, david walker and sanford green yeah. yeah it was it's very good it shows male friendship in a way that i think a lot of things just don't mm-hmm. like because like the entire time like the first issue just like iron fist is just upset because he thinks jessica hates yeah. him and and like Luke Cage is like there the entire time, just like she doesn't hate you. She just she's Jessica Jones. Think, <laughs> she's Jessica. She she just doesn't want you to be around the baby. Yeah, she, has, she and I just and she doesn't know how to say that. And like and like they like they hug at some point. They're just like you know it's just like it's very it's very good. I want male friendship to be portrayed yeah. like because like because intimate male friendship doesn't get portrayed well. Normally, and and people tend to overshoot it and just turn the characters gay. Yeah, it's it's and like there's a way there's between. It's that weird, but it's it's also that weird fear of like if you portray an intimate male friendship, it's going to read gay. Which first of all, who cares? But secondly, like it's you're right. Like I I don't know. It's not the best movie in the world. Did you ever see I Love You, Man? With um, I with Paul Rudd, yeah, and and Jason Segel. That's my favorite. Like 
really nice look at male friendship movie. You know, it's 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 like not afraid to be you know sweetly emotional and and kind of portray how you know sometimes how stupid two men can be when they're trying to be friends and and yet they can overcome it and become really good friends and yeah it's it's I, I like the Marvel Fanfare Seven. I'm going to recommend that really highly if you want a great story in general. But if you want probably the only great Eunice the Untouchable story, I'd go directly there. Yeah, and also I like I don't know. It's just like. Uh... Because, like, I used to have, like, a very, like, intimate male friendship, I guess, would be. I used to have, like, that group of, like, friends that were dudes that, like, I could be touchy-feely around Uh without it coming off as me, like, hitting on them or something. Like, they just knew, like, hey, this is just platonic relationship. By the way, I'm bi, so yeah, some people might have thought I was, like, you know trying to get it on on them but like you know it's nice to have stuff like that i don't think it's portrayed and i think we need to cut some of this stuff out uh both <laughs> in the in the in the issue uh in the in the actual uh episode and in society yeah yeah no i don't think you need to cut it out of the episode but yeah definitely we need more really good portrayals of male friendship so yeah that's if that's what yes. comes out of the Eunice the untouchable episode then that is fantastic yes uh, so basically, like the Hulk and the Blob, and we're just like we're just gonna punch you real hard <laughs> until it stops, and then like uh, and it took the Hulk basically to be like Hulk smash thing. You good now? That's probably more eloquent than uh, that. Not really. <laughs> but, but, well, a little bit. I I did say by much. Yeah. He he sometimes uses helping verbs, so. <laughs> Finally, uh, the force filled. Yeah, but finally, after just over and over uh, again, like beating up on it, um, the force field became so strong that he was able to breathe, and he blacked out, mm-hmm. causing causing him to fall into the arms of his friend, the Blob. <laughs> this is actually like touching. It's really good. Oh, mm. I need to read that. It's one. really good. I'm telling you, it's one of my favorite single issues ever. Yeah. Uh, the blob believed Eunice to be dead and went off in a grief-stricken hour. Oh, no, don't do it, blob. He's okay. <laughs> well, okay he's, not, he's okay for now, but he is going to straight up die soon. Well, I mean, yeah, but still, it's sad. <laughs> hmm. I might have teared up a little bit. No, because I really love friendship and like comics being portrayed. It, I'm telling you, that issue um, will, will really get to so. you. Like You will see blob completely differently. It's a, it's a very sweet issue. Can you get Marvel fanfare on? I don't know if it's. I ha- I have it. I mean, I bought it thirty whatever years ago when it came out, but uh, I'm sure it's somewhere. Comicsology. Or- I'm just gonna search for it on Comicsology so I remember. I just I I finally took the plunge and I'm gonna be reading uh the Grant Morrison Animal Man. Oh, and so the, good. Um, I just read the first uh, first volume fully because I just read a few issues of the Jeff Lemire uh-huh. one. And I was just like, yeah, I want to. But I got the West Coast Avengers and uh, Animal Man because they're cheap. That's awesome. I got the. I love West Coast so. Avengers. So, yeah. So, he. <laughs> do you want to flash forward a little bit to, to when he seemingly dies? Well, let's get through his deeds because, like, his powers is force filled. Yeah. That's his power. <laughs> so, there's not much to really say that. They have a lot of stuff here for force filled. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Force field. <laughs> so yeah. Uh so yeah, he's six one, weighs two twenty, uh blue eyes, black hair. 
Yeah, and he uh, he meets his end eventually. They they bring him back after House of M, and they have him in that really awful Excalibur Volume Two book by Chris Claremont and and uh, Aaron Lepresti. The art was good, but the writing was not. And uh, he's like kind of a, a a little villain on there. This little you know burnt out Genosha, and he gets taken out pretty quickly. And then he dies. Um, Pretty dramatically, after House of M, he loses his powers, and Quicksilver's trying to see if the Terrigen Mist crystals from the Inhumans, he steals them. And he's trying to see if they can restart mutant powers, and without really asking, he tries them out on Eunice, and Eunice's powers <sighs> go out of control, and he like literally dissolves, he just dies. He can't breathe, and he dies. Now, he's resurrected because of shenanigans. You know the Necrotia miniseries and all that stuff, but no, it's it's a pretty powerful death, and Quicksilver's straight up responsible for his death, and just kind of skates on it. Like I, I love how today they're like Quicksilver's a hero, and I'm like, is he though? <laughs> because, uh, yeah. Well, also, um, I really like Quicksilver, so uh, it's uh, hard for me to be against him. Yeah, he's he's uh, not he's not so. I don't know. I I grew up in the '80s with him, and he was a jack, so it's hard for me to. Oh no. He's one hundred percent a bad person yeah. in almost every single way. I just like speedsters who are jerks, <laughs> so it's a thing. That's an interesting. That I yeah, like that's apparently. a that's an interesting predilection. <laughs> I like I like speedsters, and I like it when they're jerks. So, okay, I'm just buying Marvel fanfare number seven <laughs> now. So, like I said, he does come back from Necrotia. And, uh, you know, so he's still around. Somebody could use him again, you know, in, in probably some comedic ways. But, but I, I will say there must, there are some writers who have read Marvel Fanfare 7 because I've read some issues, kind of random issues of like Wolverine or the X-Men over the years where somebody reaches out to Blob for something and Blob's like, why would I help you? And they're like, cause we can help Eunice. Like, like we, and, and Blob, it's, it's implied Bob, Blob is like caring for him. He's his caretaker. And so in order to kind of make ends meet there or to get stuff he needs, Blob will kind of hire himself out. So I always thought that was kind of cool because it added a nice little bit of shading to his character too, kind of filled him out. But, you know, not in a weight way. <laughs> to go back on the idea of like male friendship, I guess God friendship, I guess, in this case, because about to talk about Franklin and uh, Galactus. Oh. Um, but like that Hickman uh, run of Future Foundation. Uh-huh, FF. FF, yeah. Which, um, when did, was it called just straight up FF? So, was it from the beginning? Well, kind of. Because I'm pretty sure, because I'm pretty sure it was just called Future Foundation for a long time. Well, Fantastic Four, um, 600 happens, and Johnny Storm seems to die at the hands of Annihilus, and they relaunch the book as FF, and it runs a year, runs 12 issues, and then Fantastic Four comes back. But FF was selling so well, they let it run for about 12 more issues. So, so it's, it's, it's always been FF, but, it's it's it has a weird place where it fits. Yeah, it's weird because technically there's like a second volume, oh, yeah. but it's following the Future Foundation, which I would read both. Oh, it's but great! Like it's, it, but it is it is one of those it, it is one of those things that as much as I love comics and how they can be very dramatic and whatnot, or just funny, mm-hmm. uh, those small moments sometimes don't don't get center stage. Oh yeah. Like, like, let's say the blob, like losing one of, like, basically losing one of his friends, and like, you know, 
being upset about it, or like giving him an actual reason, yeah. which I think almost everyone would be like understand. Um, I, but like with like with like the 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 one that I'm thinking of, I think it was like four or five pages, but it's like it just shows basically. Galact how future Franklin became friends with Galactus and how like at the they're at the end of the world like the big crunch is about to happen like at the end of the universe and he's just like hey I'll help you I'll be here with you buddy <laughs> basically it is it's a super sweet moment it's really yeah yeah and, and so you know again it's funny because when you announced that this was the character I was like oh I'm gonna have two things to say and then I went oh no 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 that's right he's in one of my all time favorite single issues. Which leads to that greater topic. So yeah, so you go, Eunice the Untouchable. You you may yeah. not be able to touch us with your force field, but you can touch our hearts. <laughs> yes, but don't do it too hard. <laughs> yes, yeah, because you poked me in my heart. <laughs> no, did you ever see that video of uh, there was kids arguing over his rating or not, and like a little girl like touched the the little boy's uh, like chest, and he, he started crying, be like you you poked. Oh, no, I've not seen <laughs> that. <laughs> I'm weak. I, I am a very weepy boy. There's <laughs> nothing wrong doesn't with that. It doesn't take a lot. Yeah. But speaking of people who um, are not weepy, maybe you? <laughs> plugs? That was good. That was a good segue. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, thank you, man. So, once again, I'm Sean Ross. I am from the Pulp to Pixel Podcast Network. I am the co-host of Secret Wars and Beyond, where we cover... All of the Secret Wars miniseries. We've covered all of Volume 1, which was awesome. We've covered all of Volume 2, which was not awesome. The shows are awesome. The content of the issues we cover not so much, which actually in a weird way makes it even more fun. And we are going to cover Volume 3 by Jonathan Hickman and Issa Ribic, which is great. But we're taking a little bit of a break in between and actually very quickly are launching a Squadron Supreme miniseries. So we're covering the actual Squadron Supreme miniseries from the 80s which is hugely influential. Influences like Watchmen, Kingdom Come, um, I mean, unbelievable number of works to come down the road. So so yeah, it's a, check us out. We actually also, our network just launched our new show, What If, which is a What If show about uh, Marvel's great What If series. And in kind of a cool way, it goes out of order. It's not an indexing show. Basically, whatever the guest that day, whatever issue they want to cover and they love, that's the issues covered. So check that out too. Yeah, uh, I have another podcast called Creepy Critters, where I talk about cryptids, and I have a podcast within that podcast where I talk about the uh, SCPs, so Secure, Contain, Protect uh, wiki. Um, If you don't know about that, I have a like 15-minute episode talking specifically about it. (laughs) It's um, labeled like something, I don't know. It's the first one of them. I also have a both an Instagram and Twitter where you can look at the people we are talking about. So if you want to learn about the eight eight gifts that Unity Untouchable can get you, um, <laughs> uh, I have a Patreon uh, that the links to that is in the description. And uh, please listen to Prince Namor and don't toot that horn. Bye. Bye. Bye.